like repeat after me i deserve self-care self-worship and self-love like repeat it my dude and i just want you to let it sink in for a minute hey everyone it's vela welcome to the beauty witch podcast if you can't tell i am sick my voice is just about gone honestly it's a lot better than it was earlier this week um I got diagnosed with flu type A and I've been out for the count like for an entire seven days. It's been awful. Um, Finally feeling better today. Like the first day I haven't had a fever. Going back to work tomorrow. Very excited for that. But please bear with me with my voice. Um, I'm going to try not to eat any cough drops during the podcast because that is very gross. Um, So yes just deal with it but we're going to talk about valentine's day today and um i want to start by talking about a little story that i have so i was at work and one of my work friends her name is alice they she asked me so we're going to talk about valentine's day today And I want to preface with, I know that this holiday is like 100% a holiday about um, consumerism and like corporate greed and stuff like that, as well as traditionally heteronormativity. Um, And I get it. It's not cool. It's not cute. We don't like it. However, I think that that we can flip the script on Valentine's Day's head and force it to not be about that. Um, and to instead be a day dedicated to the the devotion of self, um, which is very much the opposite of what society wants us to do, as well as a very good way to begin incorporating self-love into your witchy practice. So I was hanging out at work. I was working at work, actually, a few days ago, um, right when I was starting to feel sick. And one of my coworkers was trying to create a drink that represented heartbreak. So we were dead. It was snowing super bad. And when it snows really bad, nobody wants to come out and get a Frappuccino. Um, I work at Starbucks, by the way. So we were kind of just chilling. And my one coworker, her name is Alice. She loves to invent drinks and she's a master at it. We love drinking her inventions because she's very good at it. But she was trying to come up with a drink that represented heartbreak. And she wasn't, she kept succeeding in the sense that she kept making very tasty drinks. And basically she would make enough to fill like a grande cup or a venti cup and like dish them out into little sample sizes so we could try them. Um, She kept succeeding in the fact that the drinks were good, but she wasn't getting the flavor she wanted that she thought represented heartbreak or um, a bleeding heart. And so, uh, eventually, I was like, like, what, what's up? And she's like, well, Valentine's Day is coming up. And I am not going to have any fun this Valentine's Day because I'm going to, it's like one of the first years I'm alone. And she's like, I'm so lovey-dovey of a person. I have all these lovey-dovey feelings. I don't want to feel lovey-dovey. I want to feel angry or like sad because she had just gone through a lot of like love issues recently. She's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have a good Valentine's Day. And I looked at her and I was like, wait, what? Like, you're the only person I know who, like, doesn't want to have a good Valentine's Day. 
And she's like, yeah, I just don't know what to do with all this lovey-dovey energy. So she was trying to channel it into making us like a not good drink or a drink that represented heartbreak. So I looked at her and I was like, why don't you just channel that lovey-dovey energy and put it back inward to yourself? And I don't think she had thought about it because she's like, how do I do that? (laughs) And so that is basically what sparked the whole idea for this podcast episode was how do I bring all of those lovey-dovey energy, all that like love I have for people that probably don't deserve it in my life, and how do I bring that and put it into myself? I think it's very important that we learn how to provide that same kind of love that we would for other people and provide it for ourselves and put it back into ourself. Um, and so I need to let you know real quick that you deserve self-care, self-worship, and self-love. Um, you deserve all those things. Like before we can even start talking about the how, you need to know this. Like repeat after me. I deserve self-care, self-worship, and self-love. Like repeat it, my dude. And I just want you to let it sink in for a minute. You deserve self-love. Let it sink in. Can you hear Tuna snoring in the background? Okay, so you're probably like, all right, I let it sink in. I get it. Like, I, I deserve self-love. But, like, what does that mean? Just saying it out loud to myself or, like, just hearing you say it. Or, like, just telling Alice that she deserves self-love or that she deserves to put the energy back into herself. Um doesn't really teach you the how um you can't in like you're right it doesn't teach you the how but it's so important that you have a basis for understanding this um and shifting your mindset that you actually do deserve it that like, it's so important to have that basis or else you can't do the how. Even if you practically know the how, you can't perform it if you don't have the understanding. You need the theory before the practice, you know what I mean? And it comes from the idea that you can't allow in what you do not believe belongs to you. And so you have to believe that you, that self-love belongs to you. So one thing I like to think to myself that helps me be more compassionate to myself when I'm not feeling that great is um, I'm a part of the divine that lives within all of nature. That's something I think about. It's a very good like coping mantra for me. I believe in the divinity of nature and so I'm very compassionate towards it and so when I'm not feeling very compassionate towards myself I can sort of flip the script on myself and be like you know what I would be compassionate to someone else I would be compassionate to a piece a part of nature um like a tree or an animal so why it's all the same so why can't I be compassionate towards myself and it doesn't like solve all my freaking problems you know what I mean like I'm not suddenly cured of depression or whatever but it just like helps helps me become bigger than myself bigger than my ego um and I know it's really weird 
like is really weird at first to think of yourself as part of the divine it feels kind of icky it almost feels egotistical even though it can help take help you take a step back from the ego um but it's very important to know that like it is a truth that all of nature is connected that that divine spark of life does live within you whatever you consider divinity does live within you um it is there it is what makes like life on earth very special and so it's very important to explore that part of yourself it's important to um uh like devote time and energy to worshiping that part of yourself i be- i believe heavily heavily in worshiping the divine that lives within you because it is the same as worshiping the divine that lives without um if you disrespect the divine within you you are just as it's just as bad as disrespecting the divine outside of yourself so it, it like sort of come it like is sort of the same thought process as your body is a temple so why would you disrespect it um that kind of like <laughs> i hate it when people say that because it's so oppressive because really what people are saying when they say your body is a temple is you need to live up to my standard of beauty um or the standard of beauty society sets but like it's basically the same pure thought of that like really the purity of your body as a temple is you need to treat your body like a sacred space and you can decorate it as however you want it's your your temple it's your sacred space but people don't actually mean it that way but i like it's the same sediment you know what i mean like you are divine you need to treat yourself like you are divine you're sacred and so not only treating yourself that way but also doing like shadow work to help you work through the blocks that you have on your deservingness of self-love help you um openly say i love myself like while looking at your reflection doing things like that is very important and it is 100% not easy, especially since, like, people who do find that kind of thing easy, people who do already have a natural sense of self-love, they're told that they are egotistical and selfish and they should be ashamed of it. Like, there's a lot of baggage around self-love. And so I think beginning to change that mindset by understanding our own true divinity and then also doing practical things that worship ourselves will help I think it's a good counter Valentine's Day thing to do. If you don't got a, anybody to celebrate Valentine's Day with, or you just don't want to because you don't want to celebrate corporate greed and heteronormativity, like focusing on doing self worship, I think is a very good way to celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, so before I'm gonna gi- dive into my examples, also I have a feeling that this podcast is gonna be real short. <laughs> um. Before I dive into my ritual ideas I have for you, because I have four different ritual ideas you can use this Valentine's Day and then any day that you feel like you need self-love, I want to talk a little bit more about how to get into this mindset of the deservingness of self-love and self-devotion. So my whole thing for you is to fake it till you make it. And really, I don't like this philosophy of faking it till you make it. Um because it ignores the journey uh it ignores the idea that that you have to move through the grit and the dirt of reality um especially when it comes to real practical goals 
but uh, it also can put you in a state of denial like you could fake it to your make it money wise and suddenly you're in a ton of debt kind of thing but I think when it comes to like self-love or more um like mindset style things I think it can be important or good to use so like if you're going to use this fake it to make it philosophy into in the self-love realm what you would do is you would pair shadow work and confronting your personal limiting beliefs and demons around your deservingness of self-love with treating yourself the same way you would a friend a lover or even a deity and that's the fake it till you make it part you may not view yourself the same way you would a lover but if you treat yourself the way you would treat a lover plus you do the hard work of dismantling the um, bad stuff in you, eventually you will get there, even if it feels fake at first. Because I think if we understood that, like I said, the divine truly lives on in us, it's like within us always, it's literally thought and the breath in our lungs and things like this. Um, I think if we truly understood that, we would it would be way easier to let go of all of the um, self-loathing we have, but that's, like I said, easier said done, you know what I mean? Um, and I think it's even harder because, like I said, those of us who do naturally have self-love within them are told that it's shameful. I mean, we are told from the beginning that putting yourself first, standing up for yourself, setting strict boundaries, all of that is shameful. You are told it like like triple fold if you are a part of any oppressive class, if you are trans or LGBTQ, if you're a woman um, or identify as a woman, if you are a black person or another, um, like an indigenous person or another um, person of color or if you're just simply somebody living in poverty like you are told that if you put yourself first oh my gosh people in poverty are told this so much if you do anything that's pleasurable to yourself and you still live in poverty like society is just like shame on you how dare you buy yourself a donut if you can't afford a luxurious house like how dare you we are taught that we should not partake in any pleasurable act um if society does not deem you are worth it <clears throat> and that you're taught to come at the very end of your list of priorities or else you should be ashamed and i think that is uh stupid <laughs> i say fuck that it's not cool you deserve to be at the front of your priorities and i love the whole like oxygen mask uh allegory is that a good is that a word allegory is that the correct word here i don't know metaphor symbolism i don't know <clears throat> you need to fill your own cup before you can fill others yeah i love that um and i think everybody should embrace that philosophy um i think it's even more important that we are aware or that we practice self-love when we um, and I think it's even more important as we create a, like, spiritual earth-based practice or, like, witchy practice that we focus on self-love because, um, especially, I don't know, I personally view 
claiming yourself as a witch as the same thing as claiming yourself as a guardian and it's having self-love as a guardian is so important um self-care you can't continue to serve others unless you're serving yourself as well um and so i think having a dedicated practice solely to self-love is very important in a witchy practice which is my philosophy Okay, so let's get into the actual ideas I got for you. I got some ideas um, on how to practically do self-love. And so we talked about the theory. We talked about changing our mindset. And hopefully you can do the, the mindset work in tandem with these more practical ideas. <clears throat> Um, So I have a blog post that I wrote for this podcast episode. So if you want to read my ideas, you can go there. I do want to start... So like if you're going to go read the blog post, I'm actually starting with the last one first. And that's because this one is called a a confrontational self-love journal practice. This is the shadow work that I was talking about. The shadow work is... I like to do journaling as a part of my shadow work. Um just because I feel like that's the easiest way to do shadow work on your own. Deep visualization or meditations, um, like physical touch and affection, talking it out is all good in like group practices, but I believe that journaling is best for individual practices um, in tandem with some visualization, just because it's easier to get yourself out of journaling and away from it physically than it is to do like deeper visualizations or um like like memory work that's kind of scary to do on your own especially if you've uh dealt with very traumatic experiences in your past i do not suggest doing anything like that alone having people that can help bring you out of it and talk you through it is best and put you in a safe space so you're not confronting demons in a place that doesn't necessarily feel super safe for you. So I'm suggesting a journal practice. Um, this one is called confrontational for a reason. This is good for people who are, uh, who respond well to, to tough love. Um, this approach might not work for you, but I do think you need to do shadow work. I think everybody needs to do shadow work. So, this is best done in tandem with the other ritual ideas i'm going to give you um whether in the same time space like you do this first and then you do the other self-love rituals or like within or you can do them separately just like you need to know it's also important to note that you can't do shadow work without self-care period shadow work is exhausting um it is uh, it can be, uh, very, it's very healing, but it's also very triggering. You have to think of shadow work as, like, exercise, like, like, going on, if you're going on a, like, three-mile run, you have to stretch, you have to eat well, you have to hydrate, like, there's things you have to do around the run. That's how shadow work is, too. So, like, if you do shadow work, you also need to very much have a plan of action for self-care. And so, um, I'm sorry for all my gross noises, by the way. My throat hurts. (laughs) 
Okay, so basically what I did for this idea is I listed a bunch of journal prompts, a bunch meaning four. I listed four journal prompts that I think you could begin to work with um, or use as jumping off points for shadow work or ideas for creating your own journal prompts. Um, But I thought of prompts that were a little more confrontational, that were direct to the matter. These can be a little triggering. So here are some of the journal prompts I think you should think about if you're going to be doing a journalistic shadow work part of your self-love rituals. So the first one is, why do I not deserve self-love? Who told me I don't deserve self-love? And if I were to write a letter to those people, what would it say? There's also, what are the best features, talents, attributes, beliefs, and traits of myself? What would I never give up about myself? That one's a little more lighthearted. The third one is, remember one instance when you were bullied, disrespected, or abused? If you had to stand up for that past self in the moment as your current you, what would you say to the bully or abuser? Um, And then the last one is, I forgive myself for... So, like I said, the journal prompts you use in a confrontational self-love journal practice should be confrontational. They should be direct to the point. They should um, focus very much on the inner core reasons why you have self-loathing in you. Um, they can be they can be complementary to visualization practices of like, I love doing past child work where you talk to your inner child or you talk to past versions of yourself and you remember things from their perspective and stuff like that because it's very eye-opening to like ways that you taught yourself to survive as a kid ways you taught yourself to find love or feel loved and that's where a lot of the self-loathing comes from so uh, we're gonna go into more practical and fun uh self-love rituals so the first one is a self-devotional altar I actually have a place where I want to set one up over here, and I can show you the place in a minute, but um, the self-devotional altar, I think, is the funnest. Well, I mean, it could be the funnest ritual in this list, but basically, you create an altar space devoted just to you and you alone, and it may feel really weird to you, especially if you're used to creating altars dedicated to deities, because it's the same thing. But if you've ever decorated like a locker for yourself, that's what you're doing, essentially. Like decorating a locker in high school for yourself is decorating a self-devotional altar. So um, find a little space that you want to put your altar and then take some time and decorate it according to how you like things to look. Um, put like your favorite photos of yourself like your favorite selfies put your favorite flower or crystal you can put cute little stuffed animals or books you love you can put pictures of your celebrity crush you can put um like your favorite drink and your favorite snack like you can put anything on there that you feel really speaks to you and who you are as a person um and then you can use your altar the same way you would for a deity and so this is a good way to help you get used to the idea that the divine lives within all of us because you need to you need to make the altar to that divine spark that lives in you um and not necessarily to your ego if you know what i mean so um you can give yourself offerings and blessings like if i 
when I make my little altar, like, blessings or offerings to myself would be, like, cute little Hello Kitty erasers and things like that. Um, <clears throat> you can, like, candles that for when you do manifestation work for your dreams and things like this, like, on your personal self-devoted altar is a good place to set up the, that spell work. You can um, write letters to your future or past or higher self and set them on your altar for your spirit to um, consume and look at and review like as you sleep and things like this. And then you can also honor who you are becoming. I think that is so important. You can also um, sort of do an, a tandem ancestral and self-devotional altar, if you, especially if you believe in like familial reincarnation. Um, like you can put who you're reincarnated as in your family on your altar and, um, honoring who you're becoming, put role models, things like that on it and sort of like build up who you are and really truly honor that divinity and ancestral part of you. <clears throat> and, um, you can just continue to use it as a ritual space. Um, I, that's probably my favorite one on this whole list, to be honest. The next ritual idea is a pampering routine specifically for self-acceptance. So this is the, probably the most obvious idea. It's like a spa day. You're probably used to hearing this so much, like bath rituals for self-love, you know what I mean? But the whole point of this ritual is to accept your physical person, your physical body, because oh my gosh, there is so much baggage that comes with our physical being. So as you develop your self, uh, your like pampering routine for self-acceptance, it's important to think about like the body parts of you that you don't like, um, the body baggage or beauty baggage you have, um, any body image issues that you've dealt with and using the pampering routine to directly combat that kind of stuff. So a good example is if you like have a hard time looking at your body in the mirror, maybe a part of the pampering routine is actively setting up time to look at yourself naked in a full body mirror. Or maybe if you really don't like your skin, maybe, um, <clears throat> like I know I have like, I have like weird skin things on my thighs and stuff like that. And so like maybe setting up time to like actively put oil or dry brush that part of you. It's also important to, like, know what products and oils and herbs and powders and stuff you're going to be using beforehand and knowing that you'll always have that stuff on hand for when you need to complete the ritual. That kind of stuff is important as well. When you create this pampering routine as well, you need to think about it as if you are dressing or pampering someone else. Um, think about, like, Disney movies and how they always like the princess and then they always have like these maids or like mice dressing and like adorning that princess you need to think of yourself as both the princess and the maids and the mice like how can you like how can you wash the feet of the divine person that lives within you kind of mindset um because this whole idea of this pampering routine is a worship of your body which is why it's important for self-acceptance. So, <clears throat> a good, like, pampering routine would be creating some kind of luxurious wash, 
if you have a bathtub, using like a bath with a bath bomb, or um, if you don't have a bathtub, having a shower with a shower steaming herb sachet guy just to make the shower a little more luxurious. Then doing some kind of exfoliant. You could either do this before the, the bath or shower with dry brushing or with like an actual sugar scrub within using your favorite soaps and body washes um, and shampoos and things like this. Doing any beautification processes that you actually enjoy and that don't stem from societal views of beauty. Um, a good example would be body hair removal if that's something that you actively enjoyed and makes you feel better as a person i say you can i say still do it but if you're only participating in it because it feels like a necessity or it feels like um you have to do it to be beautiful or if it is literally painful like shaving is literally painful on my legs for me <laughs> so i don't really do it um but if you do it anyway like i want you to question your motives behind doing those kind of beautification processes but I left it on the list. Um, then when you get out of the shower, using your favorite towel, the fluffiest one, um, using nourishing oils or lotions or other moisturizing products. And then um, don't forget about f like hair care and facial care, putting on face masks and hair masks and doing like a beautiful routine for your curly hair and things like this. And then finally dressing yourself in your fanciest robe or pajamas. So that would be a pampering routine that you could do frequently for when you feel like you really need to set some time aside and get more grounded and in touch with your body. That's also a very good routine um, to ground yourself after some sh uh, shadow work. And the last ritual idea I have is a self-pleasing ritual. And this one, okay, you can argue with me that this one's actually the funnest one <laughs> out of all of the rituals I listed. I personally like the altar one the best, but I, I understand that this one's probably actually funner. Um, I personally believe that this specific ritual is best for those of us who are more advanced on our journey to self-love, just because this one also has quite a bit of baggage. I still personally struggle with having, um, self-pleasure rituals. And I do sometimes, like, you can take it very literally if you want. Um, <clears throat> but I think it is wider than that. So... The point of a self-pleasing ritual is to set aside time to do whatever pleases you most in that moment, as long as it's not harmful or destructive. So there are key elements that make this a sacred ritual versus something else. So first of all, a self-pleasing ritual is not a reward. It's not an, uh, it's not, it's not, um, something you give yourself after a hard day at work. It is not something that you need to justify your deservingness of. You get to do it just because you exist. Like, there's no trade-off. You don't need to do something to get this self-pleasing ritual. Um, there is also no shame in participating in a self-pleasing ritual. If you feel shame going into it, you're not completing the ritual. You're doing something else. And then lastly, this ritual isn't supposed to be used as a form of distraction or destruction. If you're participating in a ritual like this, um, specifically to self-destruct or to distract yourself from something more important, you're not completing a sacred ritual. 
So when I give you my list of examples, you'll be able to see what I mean when I talk about these three key, these three key points. So the examples are literal masturbation, um, consuming THC or CBD, baking or cooking, playing video games, um, drinking wine or a cocktail. Oh, there's a hair in my mouth. Um, others are like watching Netflix, gardening, eating candy, trying on your favorite outfits, making a TikTok, taking selfies, etc. If you're doing all of this or one of these, um, because you feel like you finally deserve it after a day of hard work, you can still participate in it, but it's not considered a self-pleasing ritual. Um, if you have shame when doing any of it, well, you need to have do some shadow work. And then finally, if you're doing it as a distraction or destruction, it's not a self-pleasing ritual, and I want to question, I want you to question why you're even doing it in the first place. So that's the point. So the point of the ritual is you're literally taking time and you're saying, you know what? I deserve to do this for no reason at all. But I deserve it because I exist and I'm going to do it. I don't care. Like it's going to be whatever you feel like doing in that moment. Um, it's whatever. It's a self-pleasing ritual. I think the most powerful ones are ones that involve some of the most more dangerous things like THC or masturbation, but they can also be the more um, whimsical ones like gardening, taking a selfie, things like that. Can you see why I say you might say this one's the funnest of all of them? I think what's also important about this self-pleasing ritual is it should also sort of feel like an act of rebellion. Um, I like to think of the uh, of Black Philip from The Witch when they asked, do you want to live deliciously? You should think about doing the self-pleasing ritual as a way to live deliciously, as something you're indulging in, even even when you haven't done anything to to warrant it that's what i mean by you don't you don't really you deserve it just because you exist you don't have to do anything to get rewarded this like you get to indulge just because um you get to live deliciously it should feel like an act of rebellion um so if you do feel shame you should directly combat that shame by doing it anyway if you know what i mean <coughs> in in lavishing in it so those were my four ritual ideas if you include the shadow work journal prompts. I want to encourage you to say fuck you to corporate greed and heteronormativity by doing um, self-worship practices on Valentine's Day instead of going out and buying a fancy dinner and a bunch of um, disposable uh, <laughs> cherubs and things like that and candy that you're only going to eat half the box of. Um, also, wait a minute. Okay, but at the same time, if your self-worship practice is going to buy one of those freaking boxes of candy and eating the whole thing in one sitting while sitting in the bath, I say do it because that sounds amazing. <clears throat> anyway, you get my point. Um, having these principles of like self-love and self-worship and pulling them into your spiritual practice is so important and so i think valentine's day is a good day to start if you haven't already and to really question why you haven't started yet um so i hope that these ritual ideas help you my uh, journal prompt for the end of this podcast i don't know if i've said this in a podcast before but at the end of every blog i have a journal prompt for you to take 
use as like a takeaway from the blog. I don't know if I've said them before in a podcast because I don't listen to my own podcast, but um, the journal prompt for this one is, how can I devote time and space to self-love this Valentine's Day? And I think that's important, especially if you do have like a lover or somebody you actually really want to celebrate Valentine's Day with. Um, you can do both. Also, if you're queer or whatever and you have uh, somebody you love you're celebrating Valentine's Day with, do it loud and proud. I can't wait to see that. Anyway, love you guys. Thanks for dealing with my awful voice. I'm gonna go drink some honey or something. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to band practice, which is even worse than my voice. But anyway, love you guys. See you later. Bye.